Hello and welcome to What the CF Cystic Fibrosis Podcast. I'm Ingrid Grenard, your host, and today I'm talking to Ed Lee all about Trikafta. Uh, so this is the start of season two where we'll be covering various treatments and Trikafta is probably the one that's uh, mostly in the media at the moment. Unfortunately, Trikafta isn't funded in New Zealand and Ed, you'll probably know Ed because he's been involved in the campaign to get Trikafta funded in this country. He's now celebrating two years on the drug. So this conversation is a bit of a celebration really of this, this him reaching this milestone and the complete turnaround in his health that's occurred during the last two years. During the chat, we talk about his experience with CF throughout his life, getting to the point of needing Trikafta, and then self-funding it for the last two years. Then we discuss the campaign to get Trikafta funded here in New Zealand, and Ed's been quite integral in that campaign. I really hope you enjoy the podcast. It's a really great chat. As always, we love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your comments about the podcast, or if you want to get in touch for any other reason please do email me on whatthecfpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at whatthecfpod. Like us on Facebook at whatthecfacysticfibrosispodcast. And if you do enjoy listening to the podcast and you would like to support us in any way, then we do have a Buy Me A Coffee page now. So you can visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash WTCFPOD. And then you can donate the cost of a coffee to the What the CF team would be very much appreciated. You can also find the link to that on our website homepage and also on the link in our Instagram bio. Here's episode seven, Trikafta. Welcome to What the CF, Edward Lee, or Ed Lee, who prefer to be called. How are you doing today? Good. I'm doing really well, thank you. And you? Not too bad. A little bit frazzled with the the children that you just met pre-record <laughs> they're, they're running around <laughs> like crazy but that's that's our our usual so we're quite used to that so a lot of people in the community would know you from the track after for kiwis campaign uh, media coverage that you've done so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself just a little intro about who you are what you do your hobbies a bit about you really yeah of course i um well i'm edward or ed as most people know me as 39 years old approaching 40 Makes me one of the older um, people in the CF community. I, I almost feel like a granddad of the community, but CF senior. Um, <laughs> exactly, CF senior. I um, live down in Wellington, work in finance. Um, done that for about twelve years, and have been on Tricapta for almost two years. Two years next week. Oh wow! Will you be celebrating? There will be some sort of celebration. I haven't quite thought of how I'll celebrate, but definitely. Um, and uh, definitely be reflecting on the fact that how is it that I've been on it for two years yet the community hasn't been able to gain access to it yet. So absolutely, there'll be a lot of reflection. Shall we start at the beginning and talk a little bit about as a, as a senior CFA, your <laughs> your childhood and obviously the expectations and the prognosis for people with CF almost forty years ago. I have to remind you of that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, was, was quite different to what it is now. You know, how was your childhood and health and what sort of impact did it have? I mean, obviously, you know no difference. You know, people with CF, that, that's part of your life. But just um, give us a bit of a background on growing up with CF. Yeah, well, um, I was diagnosed at 10 days old. Um, for when I was born, my um, parents realised there was something wrong and the doctors back then um, really struggling to diagnose CF. Um, 
after about eight days and three doctors, um, my parents begin to get, began to get really worried. And fortunately, they thought, well, we'll just go to one more doctor and uh, who said, oh, I think it could be cystic fibrosis. Let's test him for it. And then boom, a diagnosis of CF. So that really um, changed my the course of my parents' lives and realising, well, what is this thing? What is CF? No one's ever heard of it. It's never been in the family. Um, I'm one of three kids. Um, the others were, were fine. So, so were you the third child? Oh, well, no, I'm the middle child. Um, but in the third child, when they eventually had the third, he didn't have it. So my life was, as a child, in and out of hospital, as you would know with your little one. Um, really, the doctors, uh, in my opinion, probably were learning about it too. Like, what, what is CF? How do we deal with it? How do we treat it? Me not really understanding why I'm going in um, regularly for checkups and breathing into machines to check my lung function. Fortunately, though, um, I was pretty well until I reached about 18 years old. So my parents kept in good health. But then at 18, I moved out of home, and that's when life sort of changed. It didn't have the comfort of my family around. Did they have like the regular clinics like they do now? And was that a time when people still mix with people with CF or was it? Yes, it was. So that was the time when there were CF camps. So, you know, all the CFers would get together and um, have sleepovers and whatnot. My parents fortunately never took part in that, which I believe is why I was kept so well, because I managed to avoid all the bugs that would go around the community um, where no one was really talking about um, cross-infection risk then. Mm. They do now, a lot now, but not back then. Um, if I think about my childhood, we didn't really have things like hypertonic saline or um, regular nebulization of, of antibiotics. So that was relatively new, um, probably from when I was about 20 onwards, which makes me think that if we have those treatments now, kids these days when they're born are going to have much healthier lung, um, lung conditions, which yeah. is really good. When we, get our, when we got our diagnosis and... Um... Uh, what what they tend to say to us was the prognosis is very different and the data is obviously you're looking at adults with CF that were born 30 odd years ago where the treatments are very different so they kind of tell you to just ignore it all and just mm-hmm. li- live your life kind of thing because it's so it's impossible to know and things are changing all the time but obviously you do google um, life expectancy and all that kind of stuff which is pretty scary when you first first find out but they do tell you not to do it so I tell people not to do it but obviously I think people do because it's kind of shoved in your face it's shoved in your face as soon as you start uh finding out about it but that's another reason why having that knowledge is important for you know campaigning for different drugs and so on um so what happened from when you were 18 then so you you had a pretty healthy childhood so it didn't really impact you at school or anything like that it was as you moved out from home yeah, at school, um, I think I was one of the ones, I think most CFs are like, are like this, but we live in denial. We don't really talk about CF. And in fact, I would consider us, uh, all CFs, as masters of faking being well, because we all try to keep up with society. We all try and keep up with our friends. We pretend everything's fine when realistically we're all dying and struggling inside. Um, so when I was 18, I moved out of home, and that was when I had my first hospital admission. I lived in so much denial that, and I was so unwell that I couldn't really even walk up a flight of stairs without having to stop halfway through. So it was only because my parents 
um, happened to visit me one week and said, Ed, there's something wrong. You need to go to hospital. And even then I was denying it, saying, no, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But thank the Lord that happened because yeah. when I got into hospital, I had a two-week stint of IV antibiotics and bang, I felt like a superhero afterwards. I just felt like a new man. Was it purely just mixing with new people and germs and so on or were you not really looking after yourself when you did go move out of home at 18? Yeah, I think it's a combination of um, the conditions of Wellington housing market. The houses are quite cold and damp. Yeah. Um, I think that combined with the fact that, you know, I'm 18, I've got all my, my boys around me, we're having some drinks and, you know, there's a lot of partying and that's just, I think, is the normal for 18-year-olds, but that is really, I think, the reason why my health started to decline. Yeah, I think um, um, I heard that doctors say it's that 18 to 23 are the danger years because that's when you move away from parents observing and making sure you're doing what you should do and finding your own way. And that's often when people come a cropper kind of thing. Well, exactly. And, and because I was living in denial of even having CF, I wasn't really Googling. In fact, back then, Google had only just really become a thing. So, um, but I didn't do a lot of research on it. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't even aware of the life expectancy until, well, until some stage um, between 18 and 20. I thought, oh, I might just look it up. And that's when I realised, oh, actually, maybe I do need to um, rethink my life. So when you say sort of living in denial, were you not open about having CF um did did you tell people or was it just something you kept to yourself did your family generally keep it to themselves yeah I was I kept it to myself I didn't talk about it with many people and I'd be actively upset if my parents started talking about it with people so I really wanted to live as if I didn't have CF to the point that even when I was at school when I was eight years old I used to get my medicine and throw it in the bin um because I didn't want to have it and be different to the other kids and the, what turned that around is one day a teacher saw me throwing it away and then I was suddenly pulled into the principal's office with um, my parents and I had to sit there in shock thinking oh, how am I going to tell my parents fortunately they never my mum used to give me three tablets and they only found one so I could at the time say, oh no I had two of them I just threw away one it was too many <laughs> but really I threw away all three which in hindsight was a really stupid thing but, you're a kid. but that's how much I wanted. To, yeah. And I wanted to live like a normal child and normal kids. And I didn't have CF. I've heard that on the um, um, on our Facebook page, on the CFNZ Facebook group. A few parents come on now and again, and it does seem to be again, sort of eight, nine, ten, where the kid suddenly doesn't want to have anything to do with their medication, which is completely understandable because you don't want to be different. So after you kind of got caught doing that, did you do it again? <laughs> did you? How did you kind of uh, move forward from that? Um, well, I actually learned a new technique of being able to take the tablets and I, I really worked on this as a child. I figured out that if I hold it in my hand and swallow it in one big go, go then and, and have it with water at the same time, I could do it in a way that people didn't see. And I managed to do it. I've done this all my life since then. Even when I'm you know, 32 or 35 and out for a restaurant, I can have my tablets without anyone noticing to the point that people would even ask me, oh, Ed, did you have your tablets? I'm really thinking, I did, yes. I'm a magician. But thanks for the reminder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a sleight of hand move. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. So when you had your hospitalisation at 18, how did what effect did that have on your health when you said you sort of bounced back? How did things change from that point? It reinvigorated me. I suddenly had more energy. I, I, I had a new passion for life. I had a new 
sort of found way of saying, I've just got to go for it. You know, this is, um, I did some more research on CF, realised the, uh, the median age in New Zealand was quite low and my mindset changed to, I'm not going to make 30. My mindset's changed now since Trikafta, but that was my mindset then. I'm not going to make 30, so I need to go for it. So I decided to travel. Um, and I travelled uh, all seven continents of the world wow. and, and loved it and, uh, you know, moved to Canada and lived in Banff and snowboarded for a season, um, lived in Australia. Um, I, just, I just really went for it. And then um, throughout that time, though, I had multiple hospital visits. So it was really from the age of 18 onwards, every couple of years I'd be in hospital. Was it easy to get health insurance for travelling and were you hospitalised while abroad? I wasn't. I was the only place I was hospitalised um, abroad was Australia. It was a lot easier there. But um, what I used to do is I used to fly back to New Zealand. So I would email my doctor at the time um, and or, or call him and I'd just fly home. Mm-hmm. And just say, I've just got to go home immediately because I could, my, uh, my sense of health, I really got a good sense of it and thinking this can't be cured with a simple um, uh, antibiotic, oral antibiotic, it had to be IV. So I just flew home and my parents always worried about me, but I've always said, you know, I'm going to come home if I get sick. Well, that's sensible that you came home to where you felt safe. So were your parents supportive in you, in you going travelling? I'd imagine they were worried but supportive, but how did they take it when you said, I'm off? <laughs> yeah, um, they were very supportive. So they did a lot of travel when they were younger and they understood um, the importance of travelling and meeting new people and experiencing new things. So they were really supportive of it. Um, it was quite interesting travelling with a year worth a year's worth of Creon in my bag. <laughs> um, you know, I'd, I, I remember this one time I was in Bolivia and to carry the, that much Creon on me, I had to actually empty the puddles into a big Tupperware container. So my, I had these two giant Tupperware containers in my bag of just these red and, um, red and brown pills. And at the border of Bolivia, they decided to check my bags. Oh, fun. And, they would uh, be there, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> I know. So everyone was speaking in Spanish. And um, I got pulled aside. They opened my bag and their faces lit up when they saw this big Tupperware full of medication. Jackpot. And they obviously <laughs> thought, yeah, jackpot. And my, you know, <laughs> I'm now sweating away. So I look like the most guilty person on the planet trying to explain to them that I'm sick, but my Spanish is really, really basic. Um, and then they started testing it, and unbelievably, they, uh, they said something in Spanish and just let me go. And I, 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 even to this day, I don't know what they said, so but perfect. they, uh, after testing it, they realised it wasn't narcotic, so they let me out. And that, They probably just thought, like, this that guy's was... a hypochondriac, let's just let him go through <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So one thing that I was has been pretty conscious of is not not getting bugs. So every time I've been admitted to hospital, fortunately, it's just been staff rather than um, pseudonymous or, or, or something worse. So I've been quite fortunate in that, and I think that's just really the fact that I have avoided anyone that's sick. So anyone with the flu or anyone that is coughing, I'm I'm running away from them. Mm-hmm. At work, though, as an adult, because pre-pandemic. People used to soldier on and come into work all sick, which was gross, and everyone hated them because they're like, "Oh, we're all going to get ill now." How did you handle that? <laughs> yeah, so when I when I um, had eighteen, I was a mechanic, 
And fortunately, with being a mechanic, you're on your own bay. So you're working on the car by yourself. You don't really come across many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when now, now I've been in finance for 12 years um, and I have my own office. So it's sort of uh, to the point that I don't really sit next to someone that can breathe on me and, and whatnot. Um, but I, I just managed to do it. I, I don't know how, but it just... Just I managed to do it, and I feel like that is really important for every person with CF. We just got to avoid people with um, with bugs because it's just not worth it. Yeah. Now you have to tell us how you went from mechanic to finance. <laughs> <laughs> so in between that, I, I was a mechanic, and then one day I came came to work, and I looked around and realised how grumpy and cold everyone was. Now the the workshop doors would be open, the wind and rain would be pouring in, and uh, everyone was grumpy. And I just thought, this is not me. So um, it was essentially that week I handed my resignation. I said, I'm traveling. I'm not, not doing this anymore. Um, and then, you know, I worked in various other jobs around the world. But when I, when I came home, my, my whole family's in finance. So my father's in finance. My brothers are in finance. Um, and I, I always said, I'm never going to get into finance. I want to do something different. But it was literally my father saying, well, you've come back traveling. Why don't you just come and come into the office and um, you know do some work while you figure out what you want to do and then all of a sudden I'm studying finance at Massey University and you know 12 years later I'm now doing <laughs> you know I'm still there and uh, I love it. That's great. Good to have different mm-hmm. experience and good to be a mechanic because that's one of the most uh, frustrating things to not understand what people are doing to your car <laughs> because it's such an yeah. expensive thing to have you know have to deal with. Um, so everyone always says, like, you've got to know an electrician, a plumber, and a mechanic. <laughs> that, that's true. Um, this one particular day I was in, as, when I was working as a mechanic, the Queen was coming to New Zealand. And this, this can be found in the paper. It's quite embarrassing. But uh, that her car that they were going to use, this old Daimler, they, she was going to be picked up at the airport on it. And I was in charge of uh, looking over it to make sure everything was fine. Now, I checked everything but the battery, stupidly. <sighs> And the front page of the paper the next day was the Queen sitting in the car and three or four people pushing it oh. because the battery died on the tarmac. <laughs> oh, I'm Googling that. Going, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, Google it. it was, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Um, and I knew straight away, oh, my God, I didn't check the battery. <laughs> Never admitted it, but I'm admitting it now on this podcast. <laughs> no night, no uh, yeah, knighthood for you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so over when I got back traveling, um, really from about the age of 30, I just started to get sicker. You know, my lung function started to drop. It used to be stable around 65%. From about 18 to about 35, it was sitting at 65. And did you stay quite fit, as in you did lots of physical exercise and Um, up to that point? I did a lot of walking, and um, I wouldn't say I was a regular runner or anything like that back then. But I, I just managed to keep healthy. And I think that's from not having to worry about bugs. And I was really religious on my nebulizers when that came out. So from about 28, 28 years old, I really focused on hypertonic saline because that really cleared out my lungs. And I swore by it. In fact, if any CFA hasn't done their um, hypertonic today, I'd highly recommend them going out and doing it because it is very important to ensure that our lungs are kept healthy. Um, and then... Really, about the age of 37, my health completely turned around. 
So I was really sick and um, admitted into hospital and the doctors didn't quite know what to do. So I was struggling to breathe. My lung function was down to about 28%. Wow. And the doctor sat next to me and in a period of about a minute, he mentioned the word lung transplant four times. And I sat there and said to him, is this the lung transplant talk? Mm. And uh, he was saying, well, no, it's just sort of, you know, telling you what's, you know, how things are. I'm like, no, this is the lung transplant talk. And, you know, that's when I just lay in bed uh, almost in tears, well, I was in tears, and thinking, where is my life? This is over. This is it for me. And that was a real knock to my confidence in life and starting to reflect on things. And so this was only a couple of years ago. And then, lo and behold, um, Trichafta came out. So when did Bang, you first I, hear I, about, like, did you hear about Trichafta through your CF team or did you hear about it elsewhere first? Yes, yeah, so I had been following Vertex um, since they brought out Kaleidico. Um, uh, that's one thing I love doing is doing research on all the different treatments that are out there and all the, and always looking up, you know, cures for CF, et cetera. And then Kaleidico came out, realising I've got the wrong genotypes for it, but excited for what it could mean. And then they brought out Orkambi and they brought out some Deco. And some Deco I was looking at thinking, oh, maybe I'll go and fund that. Maybe, you know, maybe that's going to do wonders for me. Um, but I never got round to it. And uh, I think that's because I was never sick enough in my eyes to think I, I'm going to go and do that. But they, that's when I read an article saying the FDA has approved Trichapta. And um, I hadn't done much research on Trichapta. I didn't even realise they were even inventing it. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I mentioned, I remember sitting in bed and I mentioned it to the doctor. I said, oh, I see that Trichapta has been FDA approved. And my Wellington CF doctor looked at me and said, what's that? And I just realised, wow. Yeah. <laughs> just, um, and that's, that's when I joined social media. That's when I thought, I'm going to go and see what people are saying about this trichapter thing, what, mm. what people are doing. And I so when's just this, started engaging. When's this, like three years ago? or? Uh, yeah, it's about two and, two and, two and, two and a half years yeah, ago. Two and, okay. And um, I started engaging with the CF community in New Zealand and Suddenly, I didn't feel alone. I didn't feel like, oh, I have to hide CF anymore. I don't need to because there are others with CF in New Zealand. There are others that are suffering exactly like I am. And, and, it's, and it's been so interesting engaging with the community because um, realising I'm, I'm not the only one. There's nothing to hide here. You know, we should be proud about this. We need to be loud. And I just loved it. I love talking to people. And then I engage with people in America and realising... Um, you know, how, how different the treatments are over there. And and then I just sat down one day, talked to my parents about two years ago, or two and a bit years ago, said to my parents, this thing's trichactus come out. It's, you know, I'm reading about it around the world. It is life-changing. We need to get it. And um, that's my parents and my brothers said, Ed, we'll, we'll help you financially. Go and get it. And that was really the day that um, turned my life around. And that's amazing. Firstly, that you were so involved in kind of looking for your own treatments, basically, ahead of the medical team and, um, you know, having the support to be able to try it, which we wish everyone could. But also you being able to do it means that we have a New Zealand case study of someone who's taking Trichafta and, and seeing the benefits. Yeah, it's really over the last couple of years that I've stepped up my media, which is a complete U-turn because I never used to talk about it and now suddenly yeah. I'm writing about the paper. Yeah. 
your family and you decided, okay, we're going for it, we're going to go for track after. Um, with it, how does that work when it's not a New Zealand um, approved treatment or medicine? Like, How does that work? So I contacted MedSafe and asked that very same question. And they informed me that as long as I've got a doctor's note that says that they understand that they're prescribing a medicine that's not MedSafe approved, then that's the first step. But the second step is that I wouldn't be allowed to import more than three months at a time. Right. So um, I, you know, so from there I contacted a doctor in San Francisco, and there's a particular clinic over there that um, specialises in helping international people. Oh, really? So I contacted them. Yeah, contacted them. You have to pay a ridiculous amount of money to go and see them, but it was a relatively straightforward, much smoother than I had realised or even thought would happen. And before I knew it, I had trichapter in my hand. And that's, wow. It was, it just happened so easily, smoothly, and, you know, they, they want to help. They're doctors, did you, fly, you know, they, they know why you're there. there. Did you have to go to San Francisco? Yes. Yeah, okay. So I organized an appointment, flew over there and saw them and saw the team and um, told them why I'm there, really. They told them in advance while I was there. I had to send them a whole bunch of information um, from the doctors, uh, letters and whatnot about my, uh, about the history of my CF. So were you um, quite unwell at this point? Like, I, so I had just left hospital. Yeah, just left hospital, and I wasn't that well, but I was much better. So my lung function in hospital was twenty eight percent. I think when I left, I was thirty six percent. So I managed to um, really reduce the infection in my lungs. I was. They put me on intraconazole because I was growing this thing called aspergillus, like this fungal infection in my lungs, and that helped along with the prednisone. So I was on high dose of prednisone for about four months. Mm-hmm. And that helped me, um, along with the antibiotics, along with the intraconazole, to really um, just get me well enough to so I can go to America. Right. So you're well enough to fly over, had your appointment, had track after. So did you start taking it straight away while you were still in San Fran, or did you fly home and have a big ceremonial <laughs> racer class thing? Yeah. So this was this was in March 2020, right as the pandemic was hitting. Oh, Wow. So you just made it to be able mm-hmm. to do that. Wow. I was so lucky. So I had, we, uh, well, my um, wife and I had a flight that was going to go in April. We decided to push it forward because the pandemic started raging. And we saw that, I think the government closed the borders to um, Italy and uh, uh, maybe another country. And we sat there thinking, we can see where this is headed. So my wife said to me, Ed, we're changing the flights and we're going now. So, you know, it was a mad rush to try and change appointments and whatnot and change flights. And we did it and we left the next day. And when we got to America, we hopped in the Uber to, t- um, to take us into the city. And the Uber driver was saying, where is everyone? There's no one in the city today. And they were like, oh, maybe it's uh, to do with... Um, the coronavirus and he said oh it probably is and we met Kaylin's my wife's brother at Google uh, he works at Google so we went in there and he wanted to show us around and it was dead there's mm. no one in there and he was saying this is this is so odd mm. and that's where we realized we made the right move thank <laughs> thank god we went oh yeah at that god. time if you'd waited you would never have gone mm-hmm so when we got trochapter in our hands and when it was eventually the pharmacy handed it over, 
we didn't take it right away because I was nervous that what happens if I have a reaction? What happens if I do this this purge and I'm we've got a flight three days later? Um, you know, I didn't want to get to a point that I would be ill. And I was also still on prednisone and intraconazole, and the doctor told me that I shouldn't really take trichafta when on those things. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right. So we, we flew. We, so we got home. Plane was empty. Yeah. <laughs> and and I sat there, and I remember telling, talking to the flight attendant, and she said, this is, this is the first time I've ever in my career seen the plane empty. You can sit wherever you like. Um, when I say empty, the entire back of the plane, there wasn't a single person there. And that's when I knew this, we need to shut down. You know, New Zealand is, is in, a, in trouble because the world is experiencing this thing pretty bit poorly, pretty badly. Mm. Um, but I got home and uh, decided to stop my intraconazole early and go on track after. Yeah. And that was, that was on, the, I think, the 24th of March, 2020. And that's yeah. the day my life turned around. What benefits did you feel from taking trichafta and how quickly did you feel them? Great question. Um, it was within, so as soon as I took my first tablet, it was in, within 12 hours, all my sinuses started to get all watery for the first time. And I remember saying to my wife, I, it feels really salty. I feel something's going on. And within 24 hours, I started the purge. And that was satisfying, as disgusting as it was. It was so nice seeing this gunk that lived in my lungs for 39 years, 38 years at that time. It just slipped up and just came out and just, it so was so that, gross. Is that cough, like, do you cough that up? That just comes you up cough, by you, coughing? But it was just a little cough. Yeah, just a little cough would just get so much out because it yeah. wasn't thick anymore. It was all slimy. Yeah. And it just sort of just came out. And within, I would say, 72 hours, my cough was gone and no mucus. So mentally, what was that like <laughs> to go from being told this is lung transplant time to um, I can breathe again? Or breathe for the first time. Yeah. Um, and not having a cough. And, and, not, and you know, you know, after, after that period of time, I was, after about a week, I just felt life's different now. Mm. You know, and but the fear inside me that this wouldn't last long. I was all worried, thinking, "Well, is this like an antibiotic that you just get, you know, used to trichapter and and suddenly it stops working?" You know, so there was still that fear. My, I had this fear of what happens if it affects my liver. You know, what happens if my kidneys don't like it and I can't and I can't do this forever? And that was a really um, scary time because that is exactly almost when New Zealand closed its borders. And suddenly everyone was locked up and there's no support. There's no doctors. No, I couldn't talk to anyone about it. Um, and, I, and KP, my wife, said, Ed, you look a bit yellow. And that's when I thought, oh, my God, that's yeah. liver problems. Yeah. Um, I managed to quickly rush to the hospital and say to them, I need to check this, my liver. And they did. And fortunately, um, within a couple of days, um, I was no longer yellow and the, the test came back okay and then that fear disappeared. But it was a, it really, I had this horrible feeling that it's just not going to work. Mm. I mean, even before I started Trikafta, I thought to my head, there's no way it's this much of a miracle. Mm. There's no way Trikafta, everyone on social media that are talking about it are overplaying it. Mm-hmm. And, and I can tell you now that they're not. Mm. Um, 
But do you think that's part of, you know, that that long period of sort of being in denial and and um, having an acceptance of, you know, what age you'll be around? And then suddenly people telling you there's this thing, it's almost like you don't want to hope for it because you don't know if it's actually going to work for you. Um, so that kind of makes sense that you would you would be sceptical, at least to kind of save yourself the feelings of that, you know, this is the answer kind of thing. So how has your health been while you've been taking after for the last two years? Oh, also, as you say, we locked down, but you needed to only get three months supply. What happened with that? How were you able to get, continue to get Yes, supply? so fortunately, um, the way the American system works is once you've got a script, it can be mailed. So I could get it mailed to my brother-in-law who lived over there who could ship it to me. So right. it was really easy um, right. to do that. It was pretty, pretty straightforward to Two years um, being off it, and it's it's amazing. I haven't it's, – my life's been completely turned around to the point that I say I don't even feel like I've got cystic fibrosis. Do you do you any know, treatments at have, all? Do you do any treatments? None. So no physio? I haven't – No nebulizers, no, nothing? No, no, no physio, no nebulizers, and I haven't done that from about two or three weeks into after I stopped it. So it's coming close to two years of no nebulizers. I haven't had one infection. I haven't coughed. I haven't been in, um, in, put on antibiotics. I haven't been in hospital. Um, you know, even through my first winter, I was scared because I used to always get multiple infections throughout winter. Mm. There was no infections. There was no um, no flu. There was no. There's no. I was just a. I felt like a normal human. Yeah. I didn't feel like I've got CF. I could breathe. I could exercise. And a big thing for me is my mental health improved. I, I, I used to live with this fear that I'm not going to live a long life. Mm. But, you know, I, I ref, I'm in finance and I tell everyone to join KiwiSaver, but I never practiced what I preached. I never joined it because yeah. I said, well, I'm never going to hit 65. Mm. But I've joined it now. And <laughs> for me, that's a big symbolism for me, you know, for me personally is saying, actually, now I actually do believe I'm going to be there to actually reap the rewards when I'm older. Mm. And what about, um, so you say your lung capacity went down to 28 and then... 36 when you went to start track after do you know what it is now do you have you had x-rays yeah. and checkups and yeah i do i still i still go to the um the doctor every three months although recently he has told me that perhaps i can take it six monthly because he that would give him more time to help people who actually suffer from cf mm. um which i completely agree with yep so my x-ray i did have an x-ray again about three months ago and it was completely clear so basically I don't have any of the indications and markers of CF in my lungs except for some of the really old scarring that I might have. But my lung function is now at 51% from mm. when I did it. And I mean, obviously I would love to know what it's like to have a 100% lung capacity, but I didn't have trichotomy for 38 years, so there's a lot of permanent damage done, mm. um, which is why it's just so important to give kids you know, as early as possible the chance to have trichotomy because it could stop that damage and therefore they might be able to have a high lung function for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it really is such a game changer, isn't it? By by the anecdotal evidence that I've had, I I don't know the scientific research and data that, that's being gathered. I haven't gone that far into it, but anecdotally it sounds it sounds like a miracle drug. It, that's exactly how I describe it. It is a miracle. It is, in, in my eyes, a cure that isn't a cure. You know, I have to... As long as I take this tablet every 12 hours, it relieves all the symptoms and markers. And my sweat test was, before I started trichapter, it was at 90. Mm -hmm. Now it's at 25. 
So wow. anything below 40, yeah, it is amazing. Anything below 40, they say that a diagnosis of CF is unlikely. Mm. Um, I've obviously got CF in my genes, but they can't test it and find it in a way that they normally do, mm. which is incredible. Amazing. So you've been part of the campaign for Trikafta for Kiwis. How did you get involved with it? Um, so I um, I, ha- I was one of the people that helped form it, but Car- Carmen Shanks was the, the lady that formed it officially. She created it, was the chair, and did a really good job um, of getting people together, some really great, passionate CFers. And then she invited me to be on it. So I didn't um, create it. I was just a part of it. I'm no longer part of it. I sort of branched off and thought, you know what, well, I'll be more powerful as an individual patient voice mm-hmm. um, rather than being part of that group. So I, I help in my own way with um, talking to, you know, the media or politicians or pharmac. So I, I do things. Um, so you've been quite like involved a, a, with lobbying politicians and you've been involved with um, pharmac as they go through the process. Is that you know, basically because there's so few people. And I should mention that. Um, so were you the first in New Zealand to take Trikafta? I think I, I've, so I'm not 100% sure, but I would be one of the first. Uh, then the person after that um, was Bella. So I've become quite good friends with Bella and she's an, an amazing young woman. Her, turn, um, her turnaround seems absolutely miraculous as well. Where we're at right now, can we maybe summarise what you know that you can share with the community of where we're at with the, getting Trikafta for 12 and overs and maybe six and overs. If I mean, uh, I was talking to Lizzie the other day and she was saying that New Zealand was the first country where they had applied for that six plus altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's six, yeah, you're right. So um, Vertex had applied to New Zealand for six and over. They got MedSafe approval for it and their application to Pharmac um, was for six and over. Subsequently, that application has been split into two, so six and over and 12 and over. And um, that's because PTAC, who's part of Pharmac, made a recommendation that um, 12 and over be funded as a medium priority, and they withheld their decision on six and over, which has caused this application to split into two, and it's now been ranked separately on the list, six and over and 12 and over. Um, I decided to start fighting for Trikafta and coming out um, about it because um, I felt like I was privileged. I was in a privileged position, and just because my me and my my family had the financial means of accessing Trikafta, I felt like it wasn't fair that the people that don't have the financial means don't have access to it. And I wanted to sort of try and inspire some hope for people with CF, saying it's not. Um, CF is not what it was 20 years ago. Right now, CF can be treated really well with this medicine. And we need to, I, I wanted to share my story so that they felt we've got some hope. Yes, yeah, so I, you know, I originally I helped Carmen um, with some of the initial stages of it. Um, and then I thought, I'm going to start talking to the media. And that's when I reached out to Patty and said to him, hey, um, you've just done a story on Bella. Um, I happen to be on it too, and I can vouch for exactly what you're saying. And then um, that's when he just wrote back, number, please. And um, and then we had a great conversation on the phone. And, uh, yeah, that's when I realised, yep, I've got to tell my story. I want to I keep pushing for it. 
and I've met some amazing um, journalists along the way, along through this process over the last couple of years, who uh, are just really great, empathetic, caring people. They want to help. They want to tell our story. And that's when I thought, well, how are we going to get this into the, how, how are we going to make this happen? I've got to talk to Pharmac, who are the gatekeepers, and I've got to talk to the politicians who um, can, you know, provide the funding for this. So I've spent a lot of time, as has a lot of people, you know, especially with CFNZ, the Tricaptive Vakemias Group, and a lot of other individuals have done, um, just talking to their politicians to say, this is what Tricaptive is. This is why we need it. This is my life where it is now. We've had parents meet politicians who are just fearful of their children's lives, saying, I, I'm scared of what the future is for, mm. for my child. And, you know, there's this drug and here's a story. And I think that was really, it's been really powerful. The, the media and the New Zealand now know a lot about cystic fibrosis. To the, now, we've had, um, when Jacinda was uh, going on, a, on the campaign, and there was a, um, a couple of years ago, and Jacinda was sitting there doing a debate, and Patty Gower started talking to her about pharmac funding, and then Jacinda used those magic words, cystic fibrosis, and I could not believe it that yeah, she that. used those words. And that's when I realised we're making an impact. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I've got to share my short story with Pharmac. So I, I organised a meeting with Pharmac and sat down in the room and told them about um, Trichapter, and they were almost in disbelief. Where we're at now, just hearing those words coming out of um, Lisa Williams or um, from Sarah Fit, the CEO, that they want to fund Trichapter. Now, this is, this is a drug that they want to fund, and that's where I feel like the system's broken is, think, you know, if, if Pharmac are being loud and vocal and putting up press releases saying they want to fund this drug, why is it not being funded? Why are the politicians refusing to give the money to Pharmac so that they can make the decision? Mm-hmm. Uh, if we starve them of funds, then Pharmac can never do what they want to do. And, and because they have been, you know, they're working on a, a deficit for however long, there's this long list now as well. So we're one of many that are waiting for life-changing drugs. On that list, I mean, I know the um, diabetes community are fighting for some treatments and uh, drugs as well. And there's various cancer drugs and other things that aren't aren't funded or available in New Zealand. Do you know, mm-hmm. from an impact on health point of view, how high up Trikafta f- sits in comparison? Like, you know, they've got this list of 170 that are, you know, but I don't know what the impact of, of those drugs. Trikafta is so life-changing for people with CF that I can't think of something comparable that literally just saves your life after 12 hours, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, and that's exactly what I say to the politicians. There are, there is not another drug that is so uh, efficacious. If that's the right word, it it works so well. And I remember sitting down with Shane Reddy, and his eyes when he talked about Trikafta, did the research on it. He was just buzzing. His mind was going, saying, "Wow, this is something that's so incredible. This discovery, it, it's almost like cataracts for eyes. You know, enabling people to see again." and he was just buzzing and that's how I sort of get when I talk about it this is so life-changing and there will not be many drugs on Pharmac's list that are so life-changing but with Trikafta it just works Works, and it works so quickly and there are not many drugs like that so my 
you know, Pharmac will never tell us the position on the list. Um, but my feeling is it's got to be up there. If Pharmac's saying they want to fund it and it, they can see how amazing it is and how transformational it is, how life-changing it is, life-saving it is, it's got to be up the top. It's got to be near the top, I would say. Um, our, our real goal is how do we get it further up the list? How do we make it number one? And also, um, you know, a lot of us talk about all the time the cost of having CF to um, the healthcare system anyway. You know, we're, you know, people with CF are having treatments, they're on drugs, they're in hospital. They're not contributing to society fully if they're not at school, not at uni, not at work because they're unwell. So all of those things add up to surely, although the price is extortionate um, and the price of these drugs is very high, surely to provide the treatment so that someone can live a full life and contribute to society is of benefit to everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think Vertex's argument for why their price is so high. They'll be arguing, and which is what I argue with as well, and what most of us, our community argue, is that it doesn't make financial sense not to fund it because yep. um, Pharmac came out the other day and said that a cost of a two-week hospital stay is $40,000 for someone with CF. So you sit there thinking, well, it only takes a couple of hospital stays to suddenly say um, we should be funding Trikafta because it's not just the cost of being in hospital, it's all the specialist appointments. It's um, all, the, all the treatments and uh, antibiotics and you know, a lot of scans, a lot of people have get diabetes because of cystic fibrosis. Yeah. That's one thing that actually with me since I've started Trikafta is my glucose levels, which were, which were elevated to the point that they were calling me pre-diabetic, have now normalized. So they're now saying, actually, you haven't got the risk of needing daily insulin anymore. And now the cost of that, of CF, is getting diabetes. It's, you know, the fact that my doctor said to me, Ed, I don't need to see every three months. It can be six months now. You know, we're saving so much in the system um, that it just makes sense to fund Trikafta. So we can, and not only that, keeping me well enough to work and contribute and to pay taxes versus letting me get sicker and sicker, going to hospital more and more. And um, eventually, uh, you, know, my, you know, my parents, my, my family, my wife might have to say, oh, Ed, um, you know, I'm going to have to stop working because I exactly. need to look after you. Or, it impacts on everyone it, around you. Well, thank you. So having your story out there and you sharing everything about your life and your experience with Trikafta has been so integral to people understanding how life-changing this is and going from having a lung transplant conversation to where you are now what what are your plans for the future now now that you have trikafta what does it mean for you yeah so I know, it has just changed it's opened up my life to the point that you know i can think about one day i might have children you know i'm a, you know my wife doesn't have to live in this fear that i'm not going to live a long life and they have to um and and you know, her being the caregiver sort of changed our whole relationships changed in, in relation to that but i can i can have a family i can i feel like i can plan for my retirement i can continue to travel i can you know i don't feel like i have to be um you know in this constant fear uh, but my real goal for the next wee while is we've got to get this funded we've got to keep talking about it we've got to keep fighting you know i People that with CF have to keep doing the nebulizers, keep doing the treatments because they've got to keep well enough so that when we do have trichafta, 
they can have the biggest benefit they they can um, they can have. And I I really want to keep fighting. I want our community to fight because every action that our community takes is taking us that one step closer to having access to Trikafta. Um, and it's really not just for us. You know, it's not just for us. It's for the future generations of CF. And who knows? You know, there could be the next version of Trikafta, which they are making, by the way. There's a once-a-day treatment that is meant to be even better. But we're going to have a cure one day. They're working on it. It's going to happen. We're going to get some gene editing, and we're going to be able to eliminate CF one day. Mm. How hopeful are you for this budget that that Pharmac's going to get additional funding or that the government might do something spectacular that is to say we'll provide the money for that specific treatment because it's so life-changing? How hopeful are you? I, I believe and I'm hopeful that, I, I actually believe rather than hope, that Trikafta will get funded. It's just a matter of time. Um, I'm hopeful that the review of Pharmac, which has been, the final report has been released, it just hasn't been provided to the public yet, um, but that report, I hope, will bring about some change in the system. Will they get the money this year? I think that just comes down to how much political pressure they, they can, we can place on them. Um, we need to keep telling our story. People need to keep fighting and screaming from the rooftop saying Pharmac are underfunded. We can't have a system where um, politicians are in denial of that. And so, what can people do? I don't think they are. What can people do in the community and friends and family, people connected to CF? Um, I mean, I tell everyone about Trikafta and explain and, you know, that it needs to be funded. I've written a letter to the PM, who is also my MP. So, that's, that's my main person to talk to. And Andrew Little is their health secretary. What can people do? Just, just email, write, call. <laughs> do everything to tell them that we need this so badly mm-hmm. so there are a couple of things we need people to meet their local mps to go and talk about tricapta because the more mps know about it you can imagine them all getting together in the lunchroom if there is such a thing in parliament and just someone saying oh i met so-and-so and they've got a child with cf and then if someone else overhears it go oh they talk to someone who's got cf i feel as if we need to just as a community continue to write to the mps we need to meet with them because there's one thing writing to them, but there's another thing actually coming in with your little one um, and saying, no, this is little Annalyn, or this is, you know, and, and talking about the journey of CF and what um, Tricaptor is. We need to bring spread awareness. We need CFers to um, talk to the media if they're willing to talk about it. We've now got over 20 people in New Zealand that have access to Tricaptor, um, whether they're so self-funding really- or whether... Because um, I, I forgot to add that, um, that there is a sort of emergency access um, that people can access who are basically out of options and they can access Trikafta. Is that right? And that's funded. Yes. So they've got a compassionate access scheme, which is one of the greatest things this whole campaign has achieved is, um, as, as a whole, with all the different people working on it, we've achieved compassionate access. And that's open for 12 months. Um, I don't know how much longer there is left to be open, but once you've gained access to it, um, Vertex have almost promised that you're going to have um, access forever and, unless they cancel this scheme mm-hmm. or, um, you know, once the government's funded it. So that that is one of the greatest achievements that we all Absolutely. have as a community have achieved. But we'd hope that you don't have um, to get that sick to get it. <laughs> we want people to have it earlier, but it's definitely something that's been um, a lot of work to get to, so... 
thanks to everyone that's been mm-hmm. involved in sharing their stories on there on, to the media. Yeah, I think the next biggest step will be um, Carmen's petition. So that will be um, presented shortly. And when that is presented, it's important that we get the media involved, politicians involved, get some speak, some people talking, just to sort of bring and re-energise the campaign, sort of bring about more awareness, especially coming up to the May budget. So one of the things that CFers could do, and parents of, of people with CF, if they wrote to Andrew Little and talked about Tricafter, they could write to Grant Robertson. Grant Robertson's the finance guy. So they could simply be talking about the Farmac budget with him. If they, the people would see if start talking about Tricafter, then it will probably be forwarded to Andrew Little. So um, it's important when you do talk to your, the MPs, finding out their portfolios and how um, Farmac and CF would fit within those portfolios. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacinda being your local MP, you could, you know, talk to her and say you would like, as a constituent, you'd like a meeting, mm-hmm. you know, and that might, just sitting down with them is the most important thing. We've had a number of people would see have talked to Jacinda, and so she's very well aware of Tricafter. And Andrew Little has gone out into the media being quite vocal, um, and so he knows about it. And I've met with Grant Robertson, and he knows about it. So it's just important that, we the community keep going. keep going because every bit of communication is that one step forward to making this happen. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for everything that you've done and thank you for giving me your time today to tell me your story. Um, one question that I ask everyone um, is asking people what their what the CF moment is. So something that has obviously really shocked you or had a big impact in your life around CF. So if you were to say in one sentence what your what the CF moment was, what is it? Yeah, um, <laughs> Tricapt is an obvious one. But actually my what the CF moment was actually engaging with the community and realising that we're one big family. Um, we're, everyone's there to support. So reach out to people. You know, you're not alone. Talk to it. Talk to the community because we're all going through what you're going through. And... My, my biggest change in my life was actually engagement and that really lifted my spirits. And where can people find you to follow along what you're up to? I try to keep the community engaged through my Instagram. Now, I, I feel as if that's my, my real portal of just telling people this is what's going on, this is what Pharmax is up to, this is what where the, where the campaign is up to. And I feel like that, um, if people want to follow me, I'm on, I'm on Instagram and What's your um, handle on Instagram? It's Ki- Kiwi CF Warrior. Perfect. And it's sort of an advocacy account. And I've, I've got a link on there which has every media article since the campaign started. So if anyone ever wants to see the timeline of events of how things happened, we've got things ranging from the start of, you know, from when Bella Power first got vocal to the formation of Track Actors for Kiwis to, to where we are today. So if anyone ever wants to know what's going on and or missed a media piece, then they can see it all there. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you so much, Ed Lee, for joining me on What's CF, a Cystic Fibrosis podcast. Thanks, Ingrid.